1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I want to preach a message that God gave me this week uh, in my devotions. I, I, I want to say it was Wednesday. It was either Wednesday or Thursday. And, and uh, you know how it is if you're a preacher, if you're a student of the Word of God. Sometimes you study for weeks and months on a message. And sometimes you're reading your Bible and there's a phrase that just jumps off the page. And, and, and this is what happened on, I think, maybe Wednesday of this week. So I want to read all 11 verses here of 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11. There's one verse I'm going to preach out of. But I, but I need the context of the whole chapter for you to understand the message tonight. The Bible said, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. And if you in your mind, when, we, when, 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 you, when you read that, if you can just insert of the grace of God. The gospel of the grace of God. It'll help you with the message tonight. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel of the grace of God, which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. Amen. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. By the way, if you're here tonight and say, what does that mean unless you have believed in vain? The context of this passage is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if you believe the gospel, but you do not believe the resurrection of Christ, then you believed in vain. And that's all that Paul is saying there, okay? Now, verse number three, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to to the scriptures. Paul is making it clear, this is not according to me, this is according to the scriptures. And that he was seen of Cephas and then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. In other words, some have died. And after that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. Now watch this. And last of all, he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles. So I want you to get that. Paul is calling himself an apostle. All right? Get a hold of that. That am not meet. That means I'm not fit to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted the church of God. And then he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. He's defending his apostleship. I'm not fit to be called an apostle, but by the grace of God, I am an apostle. I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but that, but I labored more abundantly than they all. And here's the phrase, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Paul said, I labored more abundantly than all the other apostles, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. So let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer and examine this passage very quickly this evening. Heavenly Father, please now, I pray that you would touch us as we preach the word of God. May we have your presence and power tonight. Lord, I believe that you've designed this message to be a message, Lord, uh, possibly to challenge some folks here, uh, Lord, but I think more along the lines of encouraging folks here uh, and, and just exhorting folks here in these days to continue uh, doing what they're doing by the grace of God. So help us, I pray tonight, work in hearts, I pray. We ask this in Jesus' precious name, amen. The context of this passage of Scripture, if you took the whole chapter, is the resurrection. Paul's declaration of the resurrection, the whole doctrine, not just the resurrection of Christ, but the whole doctrine of the resurrection. And so this entire chapter is the apostle's argument, not just a declaration of the resurrection, but his doctrine of the resurrection. And in the midst of his defense of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, he argues in verse 7 
that as he's building up a defense to prove logically that Christ rose from the dead, he says after that he was seen. Christ was physically seen by the apostles. And so he's arguing for the resurrection. And so what he's telling us there is that the, the apostles, they were eyewitnesses of the resurrected body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And then Paul includes himself in that number. He said after that he was seen to the apostles and then last of all he says there he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time in verse 8. So Paul acknowledges he's an apostle and he acknowledges that he was an eyewitness to the resurrected Christ and of course we know that happened on the Damascus road. Amen. He came face to face with the Christ who said why persecutest thou me? Boy we learned there when you persecute God's church you're laying your hand to Christ. Amen. And so so, so as we read this passage, I don't know about you, but as I was reading the other day, I could sense Paul's humility. I could sense his amazement. As he writes these, he says, after, I mean, at the end, he was seen of me as of one born of due time. He said, for I am the least of the apostles, and I'm not even fit to be, I'm not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church, the body of Christ. I persecuted it. And so, and so we we learn, especially for those that don't understand much about the life of Paul tonight, Paul was not handpicked by Christ at the beginning of his earthly ministry as the other apostles were. Paul didn't walk and talk with Jesus for three and a half years as the other apostles did. Uh, Paul did not watch the Galilean, the Galilean, amen, heal the sick and sight the blind and raise the dead. He was as one born out of due time. And that's just one reason of many, we won't get into them all tonight, but that's just one reason of many that, that it's really amazing, even as you and I think about it, that this man, if you think about who Paul was before he got saved, he was Saul of Tarsus. And it's amazing that this man is writing a defense of the resurrection, is declaring the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ when you realize just who he was. And that's what Paul's telling us. And so let me give you three points quickly tonight. Number one, the apostles passed. The apostles passed. This man had a past, and he said, I can't believe that I get to be an apostle. I'm not fit to be called an apostle. You guys don't know who I was. I persecuted the church of God. I don't deserve to be an apostle. He had a past. When we consider his past, there's no way that anyone, anyone in his time, when he got saved, could have ever thought that this man, I mean, they wouldn't even let him in the church. They were scared to death of this man because this man was chasing down people that were Christians. This man was the chief defender of Judaism. He was one of the chief deniers of Jesus Christ. This man literally ran people to their death. This man persecuted the church of God so much so that he caused people to literally recant their faith in Jesus Christ. He was not a good man. He had a past. He was a persecutor of God's church. And those who were followers of Christ were persecuted, tortured, even killed by this man. The church feared Saul, the persecutor. And so how is it that this man, specifically, how could the apostle Paul go from being Saul of Tarsus to being the apostle Paul? How is it that the persecutor of God's church could become the preacher of God's gospel? How could he do that? How is it possible that this murderer could write 13 books of the New Testament in your Bible? 
How is that possible? Well, I think if Paul was answering tonight, here would his, here's, here's his answer. Yet not I, but the grace of God. His, he recognized that his story was a story of grace. The only way you could, you could go from being the chief defender of Judaism and the chief denier of Jesus Christ to being the chief, I mean, defender of the faith, amen. I mean, probably the best missionary the world's ever known, uh, arguably the best church planner the world's ever known, uh, one of the greatest doctrinal writers of all time. How do you have such a radical change? Paul said, it's not I. It's the grace of God that's with me. Maybe you're here this evening and you're not saved. Maybe, maybe you have a past tonight. Like the Apostle Paul. Maybe you didn't do what he did. Maybe yours is a different kind of a past. His was a self-religious past. Maybe yours is a sinful past. It's still a past. Paul said, I'm not fit to be called an apostle. Maybe you're here tonight saying, I'm not fit to be called a Christian. Uh, maybe you're here and you're saved, but there's things from your past that still haunt you. And, and you say, hey, I'm here and I'm at Eastside Baptist Church tonight, but I'm not fit to be called a member of the church here. I'm not fit, maybe you're a member of the church, to be used in the church here. I'm not fit to be used of God. Just look back at the Apostle Paul's life, amen. Your story can be just like his, yet not you, but the grace of God. If you will allow God, every individual here tonight, God has, if you're alive, then your story's not done. Amen. God still is writing your book, so why don't you let God write your book? Yeah. Why don't you close that last chapter of your past, and why don't you allow God to give you a present that leads to a future in the grace of God? Amen. Why don't you allow God to do the work that he wants to do in your heart? Amen. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you say, uh, man, I'm not, I'm not fit to serve God. God has something called grace that'll fit you to be saved, sanctified, and serving him. Amen. And so I like what Paul says here. He's, because Paul says, I, I want you to watch, just watch the wording there. Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, uh, where, where he comes to the end of verse 9, because some of you need to do what the apostle Paul did here. He said, I'm not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, but I like that, that conjunction at the beginning of verse 10. But, that word but means contrary to what I just said. He said, I have a past. I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. There, there are folks here tonight, if you could just say but. Contrary to what I've been, I'm going to allow God's grace to work in me, to work through me, to do with me what he wants to do. He can do so much with you if you'll let him. He can do so much with you if you'll let him. And so, so Paul, he says, I am what I am by the grace of God. And we see great humility here. And by the way, I just say this, humility attracts grace. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humility attracts grace and grace keeps you humble. Well, if you can ever get into that cycle, it's a pretty good cycle to be in. Amen. God offers that same grace to us tonight, whether you're saved and you just need to be sanctified, you just need to serve God, and you say, well, you don't know my past, God offers you the grace that will transform your life 
and allow you to serve him, allow you to be used by him. If you're not saved, God offers you grace tonight that will save you. That will change your life's story. That will change your destination eternally. Amen. You can become forgiven. You can become usable. If you don't remember anything else out of this message, I want you to understand this. There's nobody in this room that cannot be made usable by the grace of God if you would just humble yourself before God and allow him to use the grace of God in you and through you for his glory. Amen. And so when you consider who the Apostle Paul was, when I consider who I am, James Rutman, when, when you consider who you can be, it's no wonder we sing marvelous grace. Amen. It's no wonder we sing amazing grace. It's no wonder we sing wonderful grace of Jesus because we see what the grace of God does in hearts and lives. We see how it's transformative. I'm talking about not just in the soul and spirit, but even in the body of those that are saved. It's transformational, and I thank God for that tonight. And so let's move to point number two, the apostles present, because I want to examine the present position of the apostle and his present practice, all right? So moving to his present, not today, but in the day this was written. He, let's go from his past to his present. And just two quick points here, sub points. Number one, I want you to notice his doctrinal position. Because again, I, I, want, you, I want you to walk out of here getting this. I'm being redundant on purpose. So many times we read this stuff and we just read it. And we've heard it and, and, and we fail to see the bigness of it. Uh, we, we, we fail to, to realize how awesome that it is, all right? But when you consider the apostle's present condition as he wrote this wonderful apologetic chapter, his defense on the resurrection of Christ, again, just remember this man was the denier of Christ. I mean, he was chasing people down to the death that said we're following Christ, and he denied that Christ ever rose from the dead. But now this man is giving the greatest declaration and the greatest defense of the doctrine of the resurrection that we've ever had in this world, and the most concise as well. Amen. Persecutor of Christianity, now defender of the Christian faith. And, and, and so again, uh, I say, how can a man change his doctrinal position? The grace of God. The grace of God teaches us. Amen. When a man gets saved by God's grace, God begins to change your doctrine to line up with his doctrine. Amen. Your doctrine becomes his doctrine. And that's what happened to the Apostle Paul. Paul, now again, in this chapter, Paul's talking about the resurrection. He starts out with his declaration of the gospel, but he's pointing towards the resurrection. And he's going to defend the whole doctrine of the resurrection. And I want you to consider this. Paul's own life at this point is a testimony to the doctrine of the resurrection that he's preaching, that he's defending, that he's declaring. His, his own life. Pa, Paul would say in Galatians, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Paul, Paul's not just talking about Christ being crucified and being raised from the dead. Paul's talking about I was crucified with Christ and I'm raised from the dead. His life, his testimony is a testimony to the resurrection. Paul's acceptance of the grace of God into his life crucified Saul of Tarsus. It killed him. It killed his old man. It killed his old religion. It killed his old life. Then it raised him to walk in newness of life. That's practice, by the way. We'll get there in just a minute. Our position affects our practice. Our doctrine determines our duty. Amen. Our belief determines our behavior. That's just the way it is. And so it made him a new creature. It made him a new man. It gave him a new doctrine. It gave him a new purpose. It gave him, I'm sorry to the translator, amen. Or not translator, the signer, amen. I'm speaking a little fast. It, it, gave, him, it gave him a new reason to live. 
parentheses. I'm, I'm just excited that I, have, I can preach without an actual translator. Amen. <laughs> All right. And I am sorry. All right. Now, I'll try to slow it down. So his present life is not a result of his simply turning over a new leaf or trying to do better or becoming intellectually convinced that Christ was God. There was a radical change that came to Paul. His denial of the resurrected Christ turned into his defense of the resurrection of Christ. Because, not because of who Paul was, not because of how learned in the scriptures he was, not because of how much he knew the Old Testament of his Bible, it was because of the grace of God. He said, yet not I, but the grace of God. Oh, friends, if you'll allow the grace of God to teach you now that you're saved, it'll change your doctrine. It'll change your positions, amen. It'll change who you are. It'll change your life's philosophy. It'll change your ideology. It'll change everything about you. And so we come quickly to this practical duty because I want to get to my last point and be done, amen. The gift of God's grace, God did not gift Paul with his grace. He did not gift you with his grace so that you could stand up here and say, this is my doctrinal position as important as that is. We wouldn't want somebody standing up here with the wrong doctrinal position. But God does not just save us by his grace. God does not just introduce us to his grace. God does not just allow the gospel, the grace of God, to crucify us with Christ, to bury us, to raise us, to walk in newness of life so that we can say, this is my doctrinal position. Here is how I dot my doctrinal I in this matter, and here's how I cross my doctrinal T. God didn't save you just so you can sit down, read the Bible, and I want you to sit down and read the Bible. God didn't save you just so you could study the Bible, and I want you to study to show yourself approved unto God. Amen. But it didn't just save you so that you could read and study and get a bunch of Bible knowledge that puffs you up. Amen. To where you can argue with somebody on Facebook and win when it comes to a doctrinal thesis, dissertation, argument, whatever you want to call it. Amen. It's not why God saved you. And we need people that can stand up and defend the faith. I'm not, I'm not discrediting that at all. But God had a greater purpose than just giving him a new intellect, giving him uh, a new position doctrinally. God, God's grace positionally placed him in Christ as it did us. But then notice 10b. He said, his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Now he's going to tell you why it's not in vain. He's going to prove to you why. He's not going to say it's not in vain because I'm not going to hell anymore. And he's not going to hell. He's not going to say it's not in vain because I'm going to heaven. And he is going to heaven. He's not going to say the grace of God was not, uh, was, was, was not vain. Uh, it wasn't bestowed in, in, in vain to me because, because now my doctrinal position on the resurrection is correct. Watch what he says. To defend, to defend the grace of God that's been bestowed upon him how it's not in vain. He said, but I labored. He's going to his practice now. He's going, he's going to his behavior now. He said, but I labored. I labored. I, the apostle Paul, labored more abundantly than they all. But now I want you to watch this because really, in my mind, we could add more, but there's three main points when it comes to the whole doctrine of salvation. There's, there's justification, Paul's already made it clear, hey, I'm in by the grace of God. I, my, my doctrine's changed. I've accepted the resurrected Christ. But there's, there's, there's this process of sanctification, amen, where God begins not just to change our belief, but to change our behavior, to set us apart, to conform us 
to the image of his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so he says, I labored more abundantly than they all. But he recognizes that just as sure as the salvation, his justification was not a result of his own efforts, so his service, his sanctification, his service, his laboring, what he's accomplishing for the Lord Jesus. He's telling us what he's accomplishing. There's no pride in this statement. He's not saying I labored more abundantly than, the, than, than they all, so look at me. He's telling us I can't believe I'm an apostle. Yeah. I, I can't believe that I'm, I, I'm not fit to be an apostle. And I, th I really, just to be honest with you, now this is, this is Ruckmanology, not Peter Ruckmanology, but this is James Ruckmanology, amen, all right? But I think, I think, I think because of where Paul come from and because he really did consider himself to be the least of the apostles and because he really did believe that he was not meat, fit, fit to be called an apostle, I believe it drove him. It, the grace of God that was in him, it drove him. And he said, I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I. He's not taking personal credit, but the grace of God. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God that enables us. It's the grace of God that empowers us. It's the grace of God that, that, that sends us out and accomplishes his work through willing vessels. There's not a person here tonight. I don't care your past. If you wouldn't allow the grace of God to justify you, that God wouldn't sanctify you and allow you to serve him and he wouldn't drive you in that service. Amen. Because that's what grace does. The grace of God pushed Paul to go beyond all the other apostles in his labor for the Lord. It pushed him to preach the gospel. It pushed him to plant churches. It pushed him to keep going in spite of opposition and persecution. I mean, they killed Paul. They, they stoned Paul to death. Paul said, a new man in the flesh, out of the flesh, I can't tell. He went to the third heaven. Pretty sure he was talking about himself, amen. When he stoned a Lystra. I mean, he's like the old Timex. He just took a licking and kept on ticking, amen. That's the grace of God, amen. I mean, it's like he just bounces back up, goes right back in the city where they just chased him out of and stoned him, preached the gospel, and then went on to Derby, the next city, preaching the gospel, amen. You say, what drives a man? The grace of God. The grace of God. The grace of God. It pushed him. Friends, doesn't matter to me who you are. If you're saved, you have the same grace of God in you that the Apostle Paul had in him. We become recipients of the grace of God when we get saved. And it's a marvelous thing because it affects our daily lives. It changes our behavior. I mean, I don't know about you, but it gives me a purpose for existence. Without the grace of God, there would be no purpose for James Ruckman's life. I can't help just coming back and, you know, I'm here. It's been every six months. Now it's going to be every year. I try to stay as connected as I can. I try to watch on Facebook when members of the church put up things, amen, just to see what's going on in the life of our home church. And, and then I try to talk to people from time to time and get back and talk to people. But, man, some of you have encouraged me so greatly in these past few weeks and even months as I've just watched how you live your life. And I've watched the grace of God in your lives. I think about Brother Samuel, and I'm not trying to lift him up tonight, and God knows uh, I don't want to give him a big head, amen? But, but it's the grace of God that drives a man whose ministry is song leading. His ministry involves his voice. His ministry involves preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And to see the issues that this young man has with his voice. And how does he keep going? It's not Samuel. It's the grace of God in Samuel. To see him up here leading the choir, man, it's like, mm, I don't care how terrible it comes. I don't care if you lose it completely. Just keep standing there doing this. Amen. All right. I mean, that encourages me to see the grace of God driving men to do what God created them to do for his glory. Amen. Amen. 
man, I'll watch our pastor. Not trying to blow your head up either, amen. But man, just, man, how many pastors do you know can play the piano and preach and sing? Amen, all at the same time. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. And then, and then he's used here, but not just here, all over the country. Eastside Baptist, I think sometimes we don't realize what we have with our pastor. Uh, a, a man that God is using here and a man that God is using around this country to do not, and, and I'm, you may not can tell what God's doing here, but when you leave this church for six months or a year and you come back, I can physically, visibly see what God is doing here in so many areas of our church life. And, and, and you know, I, I'm not trying to lift a man up, but so goes the pastor, so goes the church so many times. When a, when a pastor trends in the wrong way, the church trends in the wrong way. When a pastor tends to righteousness and godliness and he, and he allows the grace of God in his life to be used, God does that in the church and God's not just doing it in this church. God is using this man and his family around the country. We can't just selfishly say, well, he's our pastor and we're not going to let him go anywhere and we're not going to let him do anything. I don't know saying that, amen. But I say thank God for how God's using him. And I'm going to tell you something. He's not getting younger either, amen. I'm telling you, and traveling from here to yon and back, amen, and all-nighters, and I've done all that kind of stuff. Man, that wears your body out. That wears your soul out. That wears your spirit out. But I guarantee if he was standing here, he'd say something like this. It's not me, Brother Ruckman. It's the grace of God in me. So as he submits to the grace of God in him, allow him as a church to do that, amen. Amen, amen. Man, I watched... The funeral of Craig Chambers. I watched Pastor Spencer. I was, he was doing his best not to cry up here. And I'm going to do my best not to cry talking about him, not crying. Amen. I watched him up here talking about what the grace of God brought him through because of that one man. I watched him stand here, a testimony to the grace of God that puts a drive in a man, even when the spirit of this world and the persecution that comes from without, Paul said, without our fighting, without our fears, they began to affect us and discourage us. And he just, he just kept on going. He just kept on going. And God put men in his life like Craig Chan. I watched as he gives that, that, uh, some tremendous things were said. I, I watched Sister Kath, amen, playing the piano. And, and the, the cameraman focused on her. And I watched the grace of God when, I don't even know if she's here tonight. I got my glasses off so I can't see anybody. Amen. But, but, but she's crying her eyes out over there. I'm like, how can you play the piano when you're crying your eyes out? Amen. But she just kept right on playing the piano over there. And the grace of God ministering to her as she ministered to, to the congregation. I watched the chambers. I call them the chambers boys, but the chambers men. Amen. And the chambers family here. And, and, and man, just since I've been back and talked to them and talked to, to Brother Heath out on the ball field and talked to Brother Wade here at church, and to watch the grace of God because it takes the grace of God to go through those kind of things and to come out on the other side not angry and not bitter and serving God with a smile on your face, amen. And there's so much more I could say about so many people in this church where you have influenced your missionary on the mission field as I get to watch on Facebook sometimes, either a church service, get to see somebody minister music. I get to be able to see what's going on in the life of people here. And I see people like anywhere else in the world where you're saved by the grace of God and you've allowed the grace of God to minister to you. You've allowed the grace of God to work in your life through many trials, dangers, tolls, and snares. You've already come. His grace hath brought you safe thus far. Can I tell you, grace is going to lead you on home as well. And, 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 and maybe you're here tonight and say, well, I, I don't need... I don't need that kind of the grace of God. Uh, you, know, you know, I mean, I was raised in a Christian home. I don't have a past. 
and, and, and that man wasn't fit to be used, and that guy's not fit to be used either, and that guy in our church shouldn't be doing this. Can I tell you, I feel sorry if that's your attitude. <laughs> man, I feel so sorry for you. I feel sorry for you. God resists the proud, and that's a, that's a proud attitude. Amen. Every one of us stand in need of the grace of God. Uh, Sam Davison was here several years ago preaching. I'd heard all of my life, Brother Viss, I'd heard all of my life. You want to grow in faith? Faith comes by hearing. And here, let me make sure Brother Viss is sitting over here. Amen. All right. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I've heard that. I've preached that. But Brother Sam Davison was standing probably right about here. And he made the statement while he was preaching. He said, you want to grow in grace? And of course, everybody here said amen. Or, well, really, you didn't say amen because back then nobody said amen, all right? <laughs> You're, man, I come back this time and I'm like, I'm hearing amens. I'm like, praise the Lord, amen, all right? But I know everybody was wanting to in their mind but afraid to. You want to grow in grace? And here's what he said. He said, you want to grow in grace? He said, God resists the proud but give the grace to the humble. So humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Yeah. I said, wow. How, how, man, I've been preaching for years. I, how did I miss? That's how we grow. That's the greatest way to grow in grace is by humbling ourselves before God. If you're here tonight, if you're here tonight and you're like, that pride, like, man, that guy has a past. He can't be used in our Sunday school. And by the way, I'm not aware of any, I'm, I'm, I'm purposely using situations. I don't know, if anybody said anything, I don't know anything about it. Amen, all right? That guy can't be a song leader. That guy can't be a choir uh, guy. That guy can't be an usher. That guy can't do this, that guy. Hey, you allow the grace of God to work in their life like the grace of God wants to work in your life. Amen. But that brings me to my last point. I need to be done. The apostle's past is present, but then look at the apostle's promise that he gives as we just come down quickly to verse 35, and then I want to read a couple more verses. 1 Corinthians 15, because up to now, Paul's talking about the resurrection, the gospel of the grace of God, and how it transforms the soul and spirit. But the last I checked, man's tripartite. We're soul, spirit, and body. And, and uh, I don't care how, how doctrinal your position is, and I don't care how, how wonderful your behavior is, your, 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 your practical Christian life, amen. We all have a body that's getting older. Have you guys seen that? Remember he's talking about the resurrection? We have a body that's, that's dying, all of us. You say, oh, I don't like to think about that. I don't either, amen. I like to live. But the grace of God just doesn't affect our soul and spirit. The grace of God in time will affect every body that is here, that is saved by his grace. Amen. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35. And this is where, really, where I've tried to get all night. All right, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 35. He said, but some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Remember, he's talking about the resurrection. He's talking about the gospel of the grace of God, which involves the resurrection. So let's come down to verse 42, and let me conclude right here. He's talking about how our body, you know, how could, how could Paul, Saul the persecutor, become Paul the apostle? How could, how could this man's doctrinal position that he held within his soul and spirit be changed so radically? How could his life purpose be changed so radically? Our body's going to experience the same kind of change one day. Our soul and spirit, if you're saved, your soul and spirit has, has, has been affected changed by the grace of God. And so he says, well, how's our body going to raise? He's talking about our physical body now, our physical mortal body. And so verse number 42, he said, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. 
It has raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so we come through justification, yet not I, but the grace of God. Sanctification, yet not I, but the grace of God. But church, I want to remind you tonight, by way of exhortation, that there's a glorification that still awaits the body of every person here that's saved. Some of us are serving God with physical afflictions, some with other kinds of afflictions, amen. But we're serving God because the grace of God drives these bodies and these bodies start to get old and tired. And some of you are like, Brother Robin, you're only 48, shut up. You're not even old and tired. What are you talking about, all right? And some of you have far more physical afflictions and have gone through far more. But what I want to tell you is that when it comes to the glorification process, the same grace that changed the persecutor into the preacher, the same grace that changed the, the denier into the defender, amen, that same grace will change our bodies. This physical body, this, this ugly mug you're looking at, amen, is going to be changed like unto his glorious body. What's, how's that going to happen? Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to work so hard and I'm going to be such a good little missionary over in Ghana that one day I'm going to attain unto the resurrection and I'm going to wake up one morning and it's going to be like, look, i got a new glorified body. No, no, yet not I. All Ghana is going to do is wear this body out, amen. Yeah. All Sioux Falls is going to do to you guys is wear your bodies out, amen. All's the minute, it's going to wear your bodies out. Your body didn't get saved when you got saved. Your soul and spirit did. Your body's still corrupting your body's still corruptible. Your body's still weak. Your body is still dishonorable. According to the scripture, your body is still earthy. It's not heavenly according to the scriptures that we just read. But I want to tell you that Paul gives us a promise here. And I want to close with this thought that God's grace is not through with us. Amen. The same grace that saved you, the same grace that changed you, that same grace of God one day is going to glorify you. Amen. We are going to be complete in Christ, amen, soul, spirit, and body. Whether, whether, whether we die before the rapture takes place or whether we're living when the rapture takes place, either way, this old vile body is going to catch up with our soul and spirit that's in heaven if we're already dead. And if not, it'll all just be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. But the grace of God is going to bring glorification to these old bodies, amen. amen. I'm looking forward to that day when this corruptible, uh, can I just tell you, I can't prove the rapture will happen today, but you can't prove it won't. Amen. <laughs> and there's no travel plans I have for Africa that, that's, that's going to bother me. Amen. If the rapture takes place today. Amen. I believe I can change my, my plans. All right. Listen, that, that word incorruptible, here's what it literally means. It means incapable of being corrupted. Our body, our body is corruptible. I know some of you young guys are like, not me. Man, you put your arm up like in class for your teacher and you're like, Not me. Some of you girls, you turn around. Not me. Can I tell you, we're all corruptible. Uh, we, are, we are literally, our bodies, I, I hate to say this, but our bodies are wearing out. Death is working in us. But there's coming a day, First John 3, 2 said, Beloved, it, uh, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know. That's confidence. We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him. As he is, we'll go from grace to glory in one moment in the twinkling of an eye. Philippians 3.21 said, Who shall change our vile body, that it might be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Can you imagine these old sin-cursed, corrupting bodies in a moment? The grace of God will transform these bodies. No more wheelchairs, no more funeral homes, 
No more hospitals. No more situations like our young brother's going through right now. Amen. Man, no, no, I mean, all that stuff. No more tears. No more crying. No more death. No more dying. What a day that's going to be. You say, preacher, you're living in fantasy world. Oh, no, friend. I'm living in reality. The grace of God is going to accomplish that in my life and if you're saved in your life as well. Amen. Our, our bodies, our bodies, it's, it's, it's not us that makes that happen. It's the grace of God. Our bodies will go from what we're going to be planted if, if, if we live to see death. Our bodies will be planted. They'll be sown in dishonor, but they'll be raised in glory. That, that word glory means bright, luster, splendor, magnificence. Do you understand magnificence? My, I can say it. Amen. All right. That word. Amen. Every time we lay a person to rest, Every time we go to a funeral, every time we have a graveside service, we're acknowledging that we are sinners. Death is a result of being born into a sinful race. When I die, my body will be sown into the ground in dishonor as a testimony to the fact that I was born into this world as a sinner. But when Jesus comes again, the grace of God will take my body out that was sown in dishonor and it will be raised in glory. Amen. A testimony to the fact that the last Adam changed me. The grace of God worked in me. Amen. What a day, what a day, what a day that's going to be. Matthew 13, 43 said, Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun. You say, Preacher, you really believe that? I do. I believe y'all are going to be shining. You're going to be shining in heaven, in the kingdom of God. What a day, what a day, what a be. And I don't have time to go through all this from weakness to power. From natural to spiritual. Yet not I, but the grace of God. From earthy to heavenly, yet not I, but the grace of God. Let me just summarize that statement. We are going to be incorruptible. I'm talking about all of you corruptible bodies that are sitting here right now. All of these dishonorable bodies that God has saved our soul and spirit by his grace and changed our life. I mean, people out there that maybe you haven't met since you got saved, they still, they still remember you as who you were because they see your body and that memory comes back of who you were. But that's not who you are. Amen. And when that body gets sown in the ground, there's coming a day the grace of God's going to change it. Amen. Just in a moment of time. And we're going to have an incorruptible. I'm telling you what the Bible says. The grace of God's going to do in our lives. We're going to have an incorruptible, glorious, powerful, spiritual, heavenly body. We'll be incorruptible, glorious, powerful, spiritual, heavenly beings for all eternity. You say, Brother Upman, you're talking about you? <laughs> you're going to be glorious? You're going to be incorruptible. I don't know if I want that. Amen. You're going to be heavenly. Yes, Angie. Amen. I'm going to be heavenly one day. Amen. Spiritual. Oh, yeah, it's going to happen. You say, why? How? Because of the grace of God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. There's nothing in any one of us that could make us testimonies or trophies for God except for his grace. And the grace of God makes us testimonies of his grace and trophies of his grace in eternity future. So I just want to ask three questions tonight. We'll have an invitation. If God's dealt with your heart, come forward. If not, stay where you are. Amen. But number one, have you accepted the grace of God in the matter of salvation? His grace can erase your past and write a new future. And it's offered to you tonight. Number two, have you availed yourself of the grace of God in the matter of sanctification, in the matter of serving God in your local church right here at Eastside Baptist Church? Maybe you're saying, well, I can't be used of God, but I think we've proved tonight you can be used of God. Not you, but the grace of God in you wants to work through you for God's glory in this local church. What about you? Have you submitted to the grace of God in this matter? And then number three, to those who may be are saved and sanctified, 
but you're getting weary in the work and you're getting tired in the battle and you're getting discouraged with your age and your health, can I tell you God's not through with you? If you're alive, he's not through with you. God's grace isn't finished with you. Allow him to finish his grace as you finish your race and you head on to glorification. Just submit to his grace. If you're still alive, he has a purpose for your life. Allow him to work that purpose out. There's playing and singing. The altar's open. If God's dealt with your heart, I invite you to come forward.